in the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Welcome into the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by Manscaped. I'm Henry Chisholm, and I just got off a Zoom call with all of Colorado's new assistant coaches on the defensive side of the ball. So the plan for today's show is to do exactly what we did yesterday, which is I'll talk through my main takeaways from these conversations. Uh, First, we heard from... Tyson Summers, defensive coordinator, back in his second year, had some great insights. Um, you know, it's it's just such a cool defense that the Buffs run, and we haven't been able to pick his brain about it at all. And I think the way he talks about it now is a little bit different than the way he talked about it um, during the season. Um, and he was a little more open with what was kind of going on and what they were dealing with at the time. Um, not there, there isn't like any scandals that were uncovered or anything. I just realized that I kind of made that sound ominous, but just to hear him talk about what that process was like, um, developing, um, but this entire scheme really, and all these players to teaching them and what it's like now, uh, from there, we went to Demetrius Martin, the new cornerbacks coach who, Um, We haven't talked about much since he was hired a few months ago. To give you a brief recap of his story, um, he he was actually coaching a lot of high school football in California, in Southern California, um, and then at the community college level, I guess the JUCO level as well. um, And that kind of set him up to be one of the best recruiters of Southern California because he has built relationships with so many of the high school coaches around that area. Um, And and that kind of kick-started him when he got into college coaching. He coached at UCLA um, and then went to Arizona. The Buffs pulled him from Arizona. Um, But he he will be very important for the Buffs just in terms of recruiting the biggest hotbed of talent for – the Pac-12 for Colorado. Um, he had a bunch of insights. He talked about recruiting. He talked about his cornerbacks. Um, and he said some things I really like, and we'll dig into those later. Uh, from there, we went to Brett Maxey, the new safeties coach. Um, again, a really impressive background. I mean, the, the stories he was telling um, just involve some of the biggest figures in football. You know, Vic Fangio, the Broncos coach. Um the uh, uh, Brett credited him as being one of the two people who really set him up for success because he was coaching. Uh, I think he, well, first he was playing for Vic um, back in the day, and then he wound up. Um, 
I believe coaching with him with San Francisco. But yeah, so so uh, again, just another very experienced coach. Um, he's coached defensive backs at San Francisco, Atlanta, Miami, Dallas uh, with the Titans, um, Tampa Bay just a couple years ago. He's he's coached everywhere. He's played a lot of football himself. Um, you know, and just the names of guys that he's coached from D'Angelo Hall, Ultron Werner, uh, uh, Brent Grimes, a whole bunch of guys. Um, but he was interesting talking about the different places he's coached. Um, and then finally, uh, we heard from Chris Wilson. And that was a really interesting one. Chris Wilson, another just blue chip coach. Um, he spent last year coaching um, with the Arizona Cardinals. But before that, I think he spent three years with the Philadelphia Eagles where he won a Super Bowl, coached one of the best defensive lines in his league. I mean, Fletcher Cox, Chris Long, uh, Timmy Jernigan in his best years. So a bunch of names there, but he's mostly a college coach and he had some insights into what it's like making the transition or, or from college to the NFL and then back to the college ranks. And, you know, he said basically last four years, he just got his PhD in football. Um, and now he's coming back to coach Colorado's defensive line with those credentials. And he, he impressed me in the way that you would expect him to. Uh, so yeah, that, that's what we did today. And I'll be running through all those more in detail. And then of course, playing the full audio of the call. I think it's definitely worth listening to. I think, um, but before I jump into all of my thoughts here, I do want to tell you about more about Manscaped, especially because Father's Day is coming up and you know that your father is not taking care of himself the way he needs to be. So buy him some ball deodorant. If he smells bad, buy him a lawnmower 3.0 and just don't even ask any questions about it. Find some of these products that you know he needs and you know he won't buy for himself and do it for him. Be, be a good daughter, good son. And buy your father a ball hair trimmer. Um, if you do want to do that, you can use the code DNVR20 at manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping. It's a great deal. Take advantage of it and give your dad the gift that he needs. Okay. Uh, let's dig in a little bit more into uh, Tyson Summers, who was first. Um, before we dig too deep, I do want to say... He told us something off the record, and I cut the audio of that, obviously, because I would never be allowed back there if I didn't. Um, and I just want to give you a heads up that it was really interesting. But the audio does come back in right after. I forgot to hit play immediately. Um, but basically what you missed is him saying that it's Mark Perry he's talking about. So there will be a pause after like us talking about the off the record, everybody agreeing, and then... Uh, Back in, just remember, it's Mark Perry that he's talking about when it comes in after that cuts out. Mark Perry. Um, speaking of Mark Perry, a very versatile player. And that was kind of the theme throughout all of these conversations was just the importance of versatility. You know, hearing uh, Tyson Summers and, and how he values that and uh, talking about this system in particular and how the the versatility really is important to it 
Um, because this is an NFL defense, and he he talks about that a lot. He explains what that means, um, and basically what it means is that it was developed by Bill Belichick and Nick Saban, and now a lot of NFL teams use it, and some college teams do as well. Um, but throughout the NFL, which runs a lot of NFL defenses, versatility defensively is just becoming more and more important. Um, you look at guys like Derwin James, like Jamal Adams, uh, Tyron Matthew kind of started, maybe not started this trend, but was one of the first big names, um, these hybrid safety linebacker types. Uh, that was five, six years ago. You know, now Isaiah Simmons is getting into the league and defensive coordinators are just drooling about the different ways that they can use a player like that. It's the same thing for Colorado. And uh, I really liked how he talked about that, and he talked about w- what it's like trying to figure out what these players do and how you can put them in situations to be doing what they do best as often as possible. And and then also kind of moving him around, it, he understands the game. And I, he, he seems to have learned a lot from last season. He's talking about stuff like, we got more aggressive and, and that was a big difference. We were going to go out there and we were going to beat them and stop them. And, and that was a big part of the end of the season. But also understanding the players you have, understanding what their strengths and weaknesses are. And, you know, you can learn that in practice, but a lot of the time you have to see it on the field and see how coaches exploit them and then try to figure out how to fix it. He, he explained all that stuff with more nuance than I can. Um, but it was good to hear from him Um he speaks for himself pretty well and yesterday's podcast was really long and if i want you guys to listen to all that audio so i'm not going to talk any more about it um second who was that that was uh demetrius martin what i really liked about him um the biggest thing is that he said i want these cornerbacks to take on my personality you really love that um and you see why again talking to him um, it is very aggressive, and I think we've talked about this uh, because I've spent half of this uh, quarantine talking about Katie Nixon. We've talked about how wide receivers really have to have that personality, almost like a diva-type personality, where they say, I'm going to line up against you, a cornerback, and I am going to beat you, because it is a one-on-one game out there more than it is anywhere else on the field. Cornerbacks need that same attitude. Um, and that's why, again, you see some of them get called arrogant, cocky, whatever. That's the type of personality. And again, I've referenced some books, but there's a great book by Bruce Feldman um, about quarterbacks where he talks about the personality types and how you can kind of fit people into positions based on their personality types. And typically you're right. Cornerbacks, their personality, like receivers, is kind of that aggressive. I'm going to beat you. And that's what Demetrius Martin has. He he wants those guys to be mean, and he, he talked about that as a group, but then I asked him specifically about K.J. Trujillo because, you know, I'm really excited to see what he can do next year. I was impressed when he was thrown out there last year, um, and he said, again, he needs to take on this personality, and, and I can kind of teach him that attitude. I love that. Because that really what it is what it is, going out there and saying, okay, this guy's not going to get the ball, getting angry, getting cocky, you know, high-fiving after plays. You know, there, there is this 
type of attitude. Think back. I know a lot of you are Broncos fans. Um, think back to that 2015, the year they won the Super Bowl, when, you know, it's Aqib Tlaib out there, and he's ripping chains and doing all that kind of stuff. They're they're doing, like, the no-fly zone signal every time. I think that when you talk about this secondary and all of the potential that it has, a lot of it does rely on them kind of taking on that attitude because you see it with all the great secondaries you know there's the no fly zone with denver we talked about there's the legion of boom with the seattle seahawks i i think demetrius martin can bring that out of these guys and i think that that is as important as he seems to think that it is um in terms of recruiting you know it's i don't spend a lot of time on recruiting um for a, a couple different reasons but he has a resume that just backs up all of the claims that he is a really good recruiter. And that's what somebody like me, that's what I want to see because I don't fall and I don't say, hey, sure he missed here, but he was the first one on him and was trying hard. I don't dig into all that kind of stuff. But when you see he got Darnay Holmes, a five-star cornerback, and he was the one who recruit, recruited him to UCLA. Um, he spent a little bit of time with him. He didn't, I don't know how much, not a lot of time, I don't think, at UCLA. But again, like that's just clear wins that you can find on his record. That's going to be so huge. And uh, I'm excited about that too. Um, moving along, and again, versatility was the theme there. Versatility was the theme with all these coaches. Um, guys who can play different positions, guys who can do different things. Um, and if, if you take one thing away from today, it's it should be that, that it is a defense that is predicated on having guys who can do multiple jobs. Um, moving on to uh, Brett Maxey, digging in a little bit deeper here. I asked him about... Chris Miller, um, because as you guys know, last year there were some changes at safety. You know, Mikhail Onu came in and was a starter the entire season until that last game because of the injury. Um, at the other safety spot, you had Aaron Maddox for the first four or five games of the year before he got hurt and sits out um, and then winds up transferring. Then Darian Rakestraw really comes in and takes his spot and looked really good. Um, at the cornerback side, there was all the hype with Makai Blackman, um, Chris Miller as well. And then they got hurt. And then a bunch of young guys stepped up. It was KJ Trujillo, Dylan Thomas, um, Tariq Luckett, who's listed as a starter on the death chart ahead of uh, Makai Blackman. And uh, well, I guess Chris Miller's a safety. But, but the point is, There are a bunch of cornerbacks now who are young and have experience on this roster. At safety, you really look at Darian Rakestraw, and that's about it. That's why Chris Miller had to switch from cornerback to safety. I do think that's a fluid situation. That's just going to be like the the first guy they try. But at the end of the day, you are going to need cornerbacks who play safety this year. You just don't have the guys at safety to, to run it back with that same group. So I asked, what do you look for in a a cornerback who you need to convert to safety, like Chris Miller? And 
he told his story of playing quarterback and then going to uh, college. And in college, he played quarterback and then he switched his second year. Um, let's see. Did he switch? I think he switched to safety. Yeah, I think he switched to safety. And then he played out his career at safety. Um, and then he went to the NFL and... I guess he goes to the NFL, he's undrafted, and the Saints pick him up. When he goes to the Saints, they have him play cornerback after he's been playing safety, and by the end of camp, he's won the starting nickel cornerback job. Throughout the year, he's playing, or no, throughout the year, he's playing that nickel spot. The last game of the season, they have to switch him to safety, and so in his first season as a rookie, he's playing cornerback, he's playing safety, he's playing nickel. And he says that's really what you need to have um, if, if you're going to be a, a defensive back that survives at the next level. And that's kind of just thing something that guys now need to learn is that you have to have that sort of versatility. There's that word again. Um, and he said that if you're bringing in the right type of defensive back, you have no trouble switching them to whatever position that you're switching them to Um, and had some interesting thoughts there you know staying with chris miller though tyson summers was talking about him too uh got asked about that switch as well and he said that he was at a booster function um at some point that must have been a couple months ago and got asked who do you think is going to really break out and that was the the first guy he named chris miller because he can do so many different things because he can play corner he can play safety he can play in the slot and he's he's smart and he can learn those different jobs and again that's that's what you want to hear it's not chris miller is our fourth cornerback so we really won't see the field so we'll switch him to safety. It's this guy's capable of this, and he's kind of going to be one of our weapons defensively, assuming all things go the way that they're expected to. Um, so, time to start the Chris Miller hype train. This is the this is like our first little tidbit that we've gotten out of the team. Um, typically, you know, during spring camp, you, you at least hear, "Hey, this guy's playing well. Uh, this is a guy we're excited about." During fall camp, it grows even more. You know, last year, Makai Blackman one of those guys who's just getting hype all the way through um, wound up getting hurt I think in the fourth game of the year now Chris Miller we finally have somebody say okay here's here's a guy with some breakout potential um Chris Miller was the final coach who we talked to um really interesting guy as you'd expect you know it's always fun picking somebody like him, his brain. Wow, what a weird sentence. Um, because he's coached at Colorado. He's coached everywhere. He's a veteran. He's won Super Bowls. He's worked with great defensive linemen. And the thing about coaches is that they typically get better as they go through their career. And, you know, not to, like, have a knock on Taylor Embry, but the truth is... Even though we really like his experience, I think he's going to be a great tight ends coach. I think the players are going to love him. I think he has potential to be a great recruiter. And on top of that, he has knowledge of the tight end position as well. The truth is, if, if you could have Taylor at this point in his career or have him 30 years down the line, you probably want to have him 30 years down the line when he does have even more experience to build off of. He's had more time to learn. And that's really where Chris Wilson is with his career at this point. He's done everything that you'd want a coach to do before he comes in and takes over your defensive line. Um, and 
again, I with a guy like Taylor Ember, you still take him right now because I don't think he's somebody who 20 years from now will be a position coach. I think that he will be a coordinator or he may even be a head coach somewhere. Um, and I'm again, just really want to not make it sound like I'm taking shots there, but, uh, with Chris Wilson, as long as there's no like burnout or anything like that, as long as they still care about their job and it's very obvious that he does, the coaches kind of just get better throughout their career because he's now had time to spend. Like, like I said earlier, he said he spent the last four years getting his PhD in coaching um, and learning how to teach. And you can just tell that he gets it the way he talks, you know, just the analogies he uses. He just has a great understanding of the game of football, the defensive line position and how people work. And he said that's the biggest thing that he learned while he was in the NFL. The biggest thing that he's going to bring back to coaching college football is just how important communication is. Um, being able to talk to all your different players, get points across quickly and simply and easily, but also with recruits, with parents, or the, the parents of recruits, uh, with boosters, with the coaches you're working with. He would say that that was kind of the number one thing. Uh, he, he was a guy who I was pretty excited to meet, um, because of his credentials, because of how he knows the game, honestly, and, uh, it lived up to the potential. So hopefully you stick around through the full hour to listen to him as well. And, um, just like yesterday, by the way, I should get these notes out of the way, pushing comments back to tomorrow. Yeah. Tomorrow's show. We'll dig into those. Um, talk about some more stuff with the depth chart. Hopefully you guys checked out. I, I wrote like, I, I think it wound up being over 2000 words. It was like 2,300 words on all my takeaways from that depth chart. They had a list of players. They sent us, um, I think, I think one list was like players to know. And, and then the other one was like guys who were about to break out or guys who are about who could take the step or something like that. I think could take the step might've been the phrase. Um, and it's like 15 guys in that first list. Um, you know, Nate Landman, obviously there, Katie Nixon, obviously there. Um, but then some other guys who wouldn't have expected to be a part of that list. And then the second list, there were a couple names that you really like. Uh, I'll throw in Vontae Chenault was on there, a guy who's almost taking the next step. Uh, fourth receiver listed. So some high hopes there. Um, so we'll dig into some of that stuff tomorrow too. And uh, if you guys have any thoughts, any questions based on what you've heard from the coaches or based on what I've said about what I heard from the coaches, leave those in comments. We'll get through all of those tomorrow. Um, yeah, really just enjoy this. And I'm going to hit play after I tell you about Breckenridge Brewery. Breckenridge Brewery is incredible because they get us drunk with beer that tastes good. Um it's also not expensive, and those are really the three aspects I'm looking for in my beer. What's the price? What does it taste like? And is it potent? And guess what? Breckenridge Brewery, A+, 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 all the way through there. Um, it's such good stuff. I've tried almost all of it. I still, let's see, which one am I missing? I think I just tried like the Mango Mosaic. I haven't had the Beach one. Oh, Mountain Beach. I still haven't had a chance to try that. But everything I've tried, I've really liked. And that's surprising. Like, I don't drink porters. The Vanilla Porter Jr., very good. Um, I don't drink IPAs. The Hot Peak IPA, very good. I really just can't recommend this beer enough. And I hope you guys are taking advantage of our deal with 
the farmhouse as well. If you use the code DNVR when you order online, you can get $5 off your purchase. Um, you can get it with the curbside pickup, the delivery, great food, great people. You feel good supporting them and uh, hopefully you guys are. Okay, uh, here is the uh, call. Your name and that's question when you can. Tyson, do you want to open up with a couple of statements and maybe talk about your uh, new three guys on your defensive staff? Do you want me to do an opening statement? Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm, 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 I'll say this. I'm, I'm really excited, one, about, um, about our staff, like you said earlier. Uh, we've got fantastic staff, and uh, you're talking about when it comes to experience and when it comes to winning, um, I, I don't know that there's a better defensive staff in the country. You know, that really starts obviously with um, the first thing that Coach Terrell was able to do here, which is being able to keep Brian Michalowski on staff, guy who's been in this system for a long time and has recruited extremely well for us, uh, both in both in numbers and in, and in guys that are going to be really impactful players for us. Uh, coming into this next year, I think the next part of that was where where defensive football really has to start, which is at the defensive line position. You know, Coach Wilson uh, is a tremendous teacher, tremendous motivator. Uh, obviously, if you look at his resume as a defensive coordinator in the SEC West, uh, as a Super Bowl winner in the NFL, the production his defensive linemen have had everywhere he's been, uh, including here and at the University of Oklahoma, is second to none. Brett Maxey, uh, you know, has spent almost 32 years in the NFL in his career. And, uh, you know, if, if, if you start talking to, to coaches or to players about their dreams, Brett Maxey's been there and done it. And, uh, and is, you know, uh, a fantastic teacher, communicator as well. And uh, I'm thrilled to be able to have someone of his caliber on our staff. And Demetrius Martin. Demetrius Martin uh, is you know, one of the best fundamental teachers I've ever seen at the cornerback position. And um, a guy that is, you know, very much a juice and energy guy, very demanding and uh, and very close in relationships with his players and does an outstanding job for us recruiting, particularly in the California area. So I feel like those guys and, and obviously being able to, to keep guys like Brian Cook on our staff from last year that have carryover as an analyst and then being able to bring William Vallejos on, on board for us um, in a full-time role is really important. You're talking about two guys with offensive backgrounds and uh, one is an O-lineman uh, working with the offensive line as a coach at the University of Alabama. And then obviously Brian Cook being in a role as having been an offensive coordinator at a number of different places with a quarterback perspective gives us a, a different viewpoint on defense uh, that a lot of people don't have. So we're really excited about the opportunities and the staff that we have here in place. All right, we'll open up for questions, so fire away. Well, Coach Summers, this is Neil Welk. I know you've missed us, and I, yeah, I know you didn't say that in your opening statement, but I, I know you've missed us greatly. It's so. you, Neil. Nobody <laughs> else. I missed you. Sure. <laughs> hey, how has how the install been going with uh, you know, some new defensive schemes and things like that, uh, doing it on Zoom? How, how has that been working out for you guys? Well, it's it's uh it's been an interesting process the last three months. I'll say that you know we've uh, as coaches we've kind of gone from not knowing anything about it to now being the, I mean it's just the, it's the world we live in right now and um, and kind of knowing each in and out 
uh, that's come with it. And so, um, you know, one of the things I think that we've done as good a job, if not better than anybody else in the country is, is how we've met and how we've tried to be able to, uh, to, to include our process as best we can. And, uh, that's obviously the implementation of coach Durrell and, and in the direction he's kind of led our football team in. Uh, for us, defensively, you know, we've met with our guys. We've done the install. Um, we're finishing up really tomorrow with our second phase of every part of it, from our regular defense, from our nickel and our in our, uh, in our our third down pressure package to the last two plays of the game and situational football um, to our short yards and goal line packages as well. So uh, we're going to go through that, and uh, and I, we've really tried to take it slow. You know, we do two or three calls a day that are very similar I would say and um, we start in a unit meeting the same way we would do if we were in the building and uh, and try to have a lot of juice try to have a lot of energy and try to make sure that we're teaching uh, in the best manner that we can and so everybody's on the same page we break up into small position meetings from there so I think uh, our players have done an outstanding job I can't say that enough about the outstanding job that they've done to stay locked in to stay focused to ask, to ask good questions and then the fortunate part is that there's a lot of carryover from last year as we're moving into this new fall. How important is it to, to, to have those players buying into a process like that? Because it's not face-to-face. It's not in a meeting room, you know, and, and they don't know what is next. So they're kind of buying into something on a hope rather than knowing when the next practice is and things like that. Well, I, I think this, I think a lot of what you're talking about, you know, comes with confidence. And I think the way that we played defense the last three or four games of the year gives them a lot of confidence um, and gives them a lot of confidence in the process that we take and how we do things and why we do things. And so as we moved into the spring from, a, from again, from a cultural standpoint and from, uh, excuse me one second, I got this other virtual visit going. I'm trying to maintain like four things. Uh, but I, I think it gives them a lot of confidence in the system. And I think it gives them a lot of confidence in, again, how we meet and making sure that they know that understanding the material and what we're trying to get out of our meetings is ultimately going to give them the best opportunity to be successful. And uh, and so, again, I think that they, the fact that they've seen it, the fact that they know it, the fact that there's not uh, huge question marks on how everything's going to be and, and and hopefully with the relationships that we have already on our staff with the players and then the new staff and the relationships they've been able to build, I think all those give our players a lot of confidence as we move forward. Hey, Coach Adam, Monster Tiger. Uh, did you have a desire to move to coaching the inside linebackers? Is that just kind of how it shook out with the, the new staff as it was assembled? Well, I've always said, got me open, I'm an inside linebackers coach, and when I go to heaven, I'm going to coach a defensive line because that's the <laughs> And, uh, <laughs> but it's uh, it's something that I've always felt like I, that I was and, um, and and that I am. I feel like that that's where you know I'm at my best, and uh, I feel like I can certainly coach a number of positions on the defensive side of the ball as a position coach. But uh, but it's it, that's really where my heart is, and so the opportunity came came up obviously in, in my first meeting with Coach Durrell. Um, uh, about my thoughts on coaching the secondary or the inside linebackers and the two of us spent some time on it and came to a consensus that they, we thought that would be the best fit for for our defense and um, and for and for, for our staff as we move forward. Hey Tyson, uh, Brian Howell here. Um, I'm curious, uh, you know, Mel Tucker obviously was a defensive uh, head coach. 
uh, defensive-minded guy. Uh, I'm curious if uh, you, you'll feel like you can put more of your stamp on the defense this year. And uh, second question I have for you is, um, did you talk about the continuity of you being in a job for the second year in a row, not only um, professionally but also personally with your family? Uh, I'll answer the first question first. I think the, I think what you see is from from similarities from last year. Obviously, I, th- I think that you're going to see a more similar style to what we what we adapted to the last three or four games of the season last year. Um, I think what you'll see moving forward is us continuing to be more multiple, um, especially with our fronts. I think you're going to see us be more attacking, and uh, we feel like that's what gave us gave us our edge in, in the latter half of the year. And we certainly feel like that's what gives our players the best chance to be successful. So as we move forward, you know, under Coach Durrell's direction, I think that those are the three things that are going to be. There's going to be some similarities, uh, but I do think we will be more multiple. And I know for sure we will be more of an attacking mindset. And I think that's going to give us the best opportunity to be successful, uh, whether it's week, you know, one of the season or whether it's week 12 of the season or whether it's in our bowl game. And um, and I think our player, I really believe our players believe in those those three tangible things as well. Um, you know, the second question about being able to be retained and being here for a second year is really positive for me. The first note is is my family. Um, you know, we had a tremendous opportunity and um, to be here in the in our first year, and, and obviously we were able to see uh, very much uh, of, of an improvement as the season went on. Uh, you know, I am very relationship driven when it comes to our players first and, and really to our staff next. And uh, so it was important to me to be able to feel like I could be here to help these young men. Uh, I am. I'm, I'm very close with them. And uh, and so, you know, obviously uh, tremendous leadership by Rick George and Lance Carl and being able to hire someone of Coach Durrell's stature and someone that is uh, such a fantastic person to start with and second, uh, uh, just really intelligent, does a great job of communicating with our players and building trust with them. And so the opportunity to stay was certainly something that I expressed, you know, from from my first meeting with, with both Lance and with Rick um, through the transition. And the opportunity to stay was a, a huge part of it for me and my family. Uh, we wanted to be able to be here at the University of Colorado. Uh, we believed in the leadership and the direction of where we were headed. And we feel like we're gonna take that to a new level here with Coach Durrell. And so, uh, you know, I can just remember calling uh, calling Beth and talking to the boys as soon as um, as soon as as soon as I came out of my meeting with Coach Durrell, and, and you know, when he informed me that I would be able to, to be retained, uh, and just them jumping up and down. I mean, just so excited. And that was uh, we don't we don't go out to eat as family very much, but that was worthy of us all going out to eat for tonight. And. Uh, so it's it's an important piece for me, and then uh, really excited just to see where we're able to take our defense here in year two. Uh, Henry Chisholm here from DNVR. Uh, you, you brought up those last few games of the season when the defense really did turn things around. You mentioned that they were more aggressive, but I'm wondering what else went into that. Was it changing play calls, changing responsibilities, or did everybody just start to click and it was more just a chemistry thing? Well, I think it's a lot of what you, I think it's a kind of a combination of all those things. I think that uh, there is certainly a process that you go through. Um, I think that one of the biggest things that jumps out to me watching the film um, as the season progressed, we really, we really tried to just continue to never lose our focus on fundamentals 
And I think that you see us playing at a very high fundamental rate at the end of the season. Uh, schematically, we did. We, we, we had a lot of moving parts, I would say that. And uh, a lot of that came because we had a lot of moving parts within our roster, particularly in the secondary. Uh, you know, at the end of the season, we were really playing the majority of our downs with three true freshmen. And, uh, and that can have its, have, have its set of challenges. So we went through the year. We never, we never, you know, we never took a step back from trying to figure out what is going to be best for this group and what coverage is going to be best, what pressures are going to be best, what can we be most successful here with at Colorado in 2019. And as we progress, I think we figured, what that, figured out what that was. And now we're going to continue to progress in, in a lot of the same direction as we move into 2020. Hey, Coach, uh, Justin Guerrero here. Um, just when you kind of look at um, the, your second year calling the plays, the defense, and um, how you want this this defense to pick up from where it left off at the end of the 2019 season, just curious, um, the, the new assistant coaches on the defensive side of the ball, uh, Coach Martin, Coach Maxey, so on and so forth, like, what points of view or what perspectives maybe have they brought to the table just when, when you guys have had conversations about uh, what the defense is going to look like in, in 2020? Well, I think one of the nice things with our entire staff is, uh, is, is this defense is very NFL-oriented, if that makes sense. Uh, we're, we are. We're multiple in coverage. It's obviously a defensive system that really starts with Bill Belichick and Nick Saban. And so as it's trickled down to – a number of different, you know, coaches and coordinators through time. Um, it becomes, you know, those those premises and those people and their beliefs um, and the success they've had inside of these defenses, both in, in NFL football and in college football. And as as we kind of move into this, that becomes what our basics are, our base defense and what our fundamental focus is. And then we, we've evolved in trying to make sure that, again, our, our pressure package is, going to be something that's really challenging for offenses we feel like and uh we felt like that again that was really what changed our momentum and brought about a lot of confidence within our players you know in, in really the, the the last three or four games of the season did I, did I answer your question yeah totally thank you okay i'm sorry hey jason i want to ask you uh, specifically about Chris Miller, uh, who saw the new pencil depth chart come out, he's listed as safety. Uh, I had a chance to chat with him last week after the, uh, the march. Uh, and he was talking about how excited he is about that. Darrell mentioned you guys like his versatility. What do you like about him? You only had a few weeks work with him before he got hurt last year, but uh, what do you like about his versatility and his skill sets to be able to kind of play all over? Well, it's an interesting question because uh, we were doing a um, – we were doing a, a Zoom donor meeting a couple of weeks ago. And uh, and one of the questions that I was asked was, who do you feel like is going to be a, a player that really jumps out this season? And uh, and he was one of the first names that I mentioned uh, in that group. I think that, you know, Chris is a guy that's very talented. Uh, he, has, he has one, he has size. He's got a lot of God-given ability uh, and his ability to move and run. And, uh, and he's, in, he's in year two of the system. And, uh, and what you're seeing from him is a tremendous amount of growth and maturity, in my opinion, over the last six to eight months. He, I mean, I can, I can pull up my phone where, you know, he literally texts me every day about what he can do to get better. Where is this film? Where is that film? Uh, what do I need to focus on today? And 
his ability gives him the versatility really to play to play a safety position, to play a star position, and obviously he could go play corner, which is what he's done, you know, in the past. Um, but his maturity level, his growth, and I think I think a lot of the impact that you see from Davion Taylor last year in his growth and his development as a football player, you're seeing a lot of in the in obviously how it paid off for him. Um, as a player here, and obviously how it'll pay off for him as he moves okay. into the NFL, you're seeing the trickle down effect with a lot of our players now, particularly on defense. And they saw Davion putting in the extra hour, two hours every day of film study. Uh, they saw that Davion was on the phone with me four times a day in at any point in time. And so I think that he's a great example of guys that you see right now that are that are taking the time to learn the system the way that, that it really needs to be able to be taught. I think that you're going to see some great things out of Chris this year. Uh, looking at the star position specifically, like, is it, is it fair to say, like, is it going to stay pretty much the same this season in terms of just overall responsibility and kind of um, job description, if you will, or are, are there any, uh, like, tweaks in any way, shape, or form to that position? Well... That's a great question. So, uh, can I say something off the record? Is that fair? Dave, is that fair? <laughs> Curtis? Uh, it's off the record. It's off the record, guys. Well, it'd be very stout in the run game. It is a it is a, a position that you are looking for a very specific person to be able to do, and there's a lot that comes with it. And uh, that's the beauty of playing in in this system is being able to find guys and recruit guys that you feel like can fit in that. We feel like we've done that really with Mark and Jake. Obviously, the opportunity to have Chris learn that place as well. Is that the, is that the, the answer? Your final question for uh, Coach Summers is Demetrius is on. Uh, I've got one more. Um, so you, you talked a little bit about how this is a really complex defensive system. And how you've been able to use players who are kind of versatile in different roles. With these more complex systems, and this one in particular, is it easier to have players who can play multiple positions play those positions because you can tweak things like that? Or is it more complicated because there are so many different responsibilities at all the different spots? Does that make sense? Yeah, so I would... I would just kind of start with this. Uh, I hope I didn't use the word complex. Uh, The second thing that I would say is that uh, there is so much, uh, there there is a a large volume inside of our playbook. We have cut that playbook back. Um, I would say from the beginning of last season to now, I would would gather to say that 40% of that playbook is no longer in it. And a lot of that is because we want to play with fundamentals and focus, and we want to be really good at our base defense. And uh, where where we are, where we are continuing to to move in the direction we talked about earlier of being multiple and attacking is trying to be able to make sure that we're creating challenging positions for offensive lines and for quarterbacks. Great, Coach. Thank you. By the way, is that your ID? Is your secret agent code DL double X? Uh, <laughs> this is a great example. Like I said earlier, I and Dave, you and Curtis have heard me say this a lot. I don't have my school phone. I've never, I've never touched the phone on my desk 
and I don't read emails, right? So I've gone from a non-computer person other than watching film on a computer to now I have three within a hand, whatever of me. So this thing, whatever this thing is, whichever one of the, I think this is an iPad, I think this is an iPad in front of me. Somebody has in my email on there. I didn't do it. I don't know how to do it. I know I hit a button. Emails pop up. I saw your email. I hit, and but I would. I never use that. I use this all the time, and that's how I zoom. That's how I meet. That's how I teach. And then this thing right here is only so I can watch film with the unit meetings for the players. So somehow I've gone from having a phone, having two phones, and three computers, and three children, and two dogs. <laughs> Tyson Summers, technology guru. <laughs> well, Thanks, we Tyson. Appreciate it. It's our new world, right? It's our new world. That's right. Thanks, Tyson. After that, thank you all. Appreciate your time. Do y'all, y'all have Coach Mead on here? Demetrius uh, is there. He's not visible right now. He was earlier. We're ready for you. There he is. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> well, welcome to our 957th Zoom show, I think, since March. Oh, sweet. <laughs> thank uh, you. Thank you for having me. We're on with our main beat writers, so they're just going to pepper you with Q&A. So, uh, gentlemen, take it away. Sweet. How y'all boys doing? Everybody good? As good as could be, Coach. Yeah, no doubt. Hey, Coach. Uh, this is Brian Howell with the Mobile Daily Camera. Um, good to sort of meet you after the first time with that. And welcome, welcome that support. I'm just curious, you know, what it's been like for you just trying to uh, get to know this staff, get to know Coach Summers, kind of uh, get to know this defense. Um, you know, kind of, kind of, well, with the unforeseen uh, circumstances that came up, it, it, it had been kind of normal. Um, first thing off, uh, getting out here to Boulder is just beautiful about seeing the, the, the city itself and all the surrounding cities and things and such like that. Um, when you only came here as an opponent and just playing in the stadium, one of the mo- one of my most favorite stadiums to come play in, just the simple fact just to get to embrace the beauty of the of the place and you know what it has to offer is a good thing as far as the staff goes you know um it was an opportunity for me to come here and uh you know i thought uh get around some more nfl pedigree and learn some more things and help myself become a a better coach and things and such like that not to mention that uh you know uh goes back in the day uh i had an opportunity to get recruited here uh chose differently um but always had a special spot in my heart for Colorado because of uh, some of the players that went here, some of the coaches in the past history. So I've always wanted to be a part of it and, you know, come back around full circle. So it's been good. Hey, Coach, Adam Mustertiger from 24-7 Sports. Thanks for taking the time out to do this. Kind of a two-parter. How would you describe your coaching style? And you have a reputation as an excellent recruiter. Where where does that passion come uh, for recruiting for, for you? Well, I think uh, that's a good twofold question because they kind of go hand in hand with me. Um, you know, I probably would, would say that I'm a hands-on, very energetic. I'm an on-the-field coach, so you can imagine the stuff that I'm going through right now because we're not on the grass. So that, that you know, like Coach Summers just kind of mentioned in his last words about this technology stuff, uh, you know, I'm learning as we go. Let's just say it as that. But I'm a hands-on guy. I like to, you know, really be energetic 
um, technique driven. Um, I'm a big technician as far as, you know, the, I'm a big believer in the smallest details make the biggest plays happen. So the little things are the things that I, that I get on. And so when you couple that with the part of recruiting and no longer being able to play, that is my competition. My competition is getting out there on the road and recruiting and going against other schools. And that's how I play my game. So that part is playing the game. And then once you get them here, the development part is what I really like. So that's what makes me a hands-on coach because I like getting guys prepared and making them feel like they're getting better each and every day with more confidence and learning, you know, just putting more, more tools in their tool belt than they had before. Hey coach, Justin Guerrero with rivals.com here. Good to, uh, meet you and thanks for your time in advance but kind of just on the general side of things what uh your evaluation has been of your room um what do you like about the guys you've got in the corners room and um kind of maybe what do you like and where where are some areas where uh those guys are, are going to need to take it to the next level heading into this season well um like i kind of mentioned I, I, uh they're all great kids first of first and foremost really great kids um and i'm looking forward to getting out on the grass with them and finding out some of the things that they uh, how they how they take to some of the new techniques and things and such like that that we're going to try to fit within the scheme that they already run. So with them being already uh, shoot more familiar with the scheme than I because it's changed a lot since I played for Coach Saban at Michigan State. So it's a lot of things that you know I I'm learning as a coach that it wasn't the same as a player and obviously that grows and changes with time with every coordinator and every defense and so so forth and so on but um the group itself they're a very smart group um they're aware of the things that they need to get done as far as where they need to get better at and they just want to plan on how to get better and you know it's um it's been a a working a working group in progress as far as you know i put them in situations to teach now which is usually later on in my regular repertoire is how I go as a coach, but I have kind of put those guys in an earlier situation will teach so they can be more confident with playing faster within the scheme. Just because you got a new secondary coach, you still have the same scheme. Yeah, I'm going to be hard on you on some techniques and stuff like that, but as far as schematics, you know, trust it. Know that you know it and be sure through the mistakes that you made last year that we're not going to make those mistakes this year. And we got kind of a group that's kind of, the ice is beginning to break. I think, um, once we get out there on the field, it uh, they they really start to take on my personality, and then once the, once they do that, you know, we I think we'd be uh throwing all these little receivers around. Hey, Coach uh, Brian Allen again. Um, as coaches, you guys are used to making like in-game adjustments, things like that. Uh, with recruiting, obviously, it's so different right now. How would you adjust it uh, with that and? Um, Adam mentioned your passion for recruiting. How have you adjusted to make that beneficial for you and for your recruits to kind of make the best of the situation? Well, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, it has changed the game a little bit. Um, well, a lot of bit because the simple fact that, you know, it's hard for me. Uh, you know, I kind of wear my feelings on my sleeve as a recruiter and a coach. So it's kind of hard for me because I hadn't got the chance to really evaluate certain guys as much as I wanted to as far as in person and seeing them. So you have to go by other avenues as far as a lot of, watching a lot of extra film on guys and, you know, hopefully guys are posting uh, workouts that they did at different places with different things and such like that or what have you. But it's um, 
it makes the it makes the relationship part a lot easier and for for me in my regards it, it's a lot easier to tap in and lock in with the guys and their and their parents and things and such like that and you know it's even uh you know I, i've had my son kind of get me prepared on, on video games and stuff like that so i've been taking a lot of butt whoopings on these damn video games because i'm not really that apt to it but whatever it is as long as i'm having conversation and we're talking and we're developing relationships whatever it takes <laughs> Uh, I'm Henry Chisholm from DNVR. Uh, KJ Trujillo is a, a player that I know a lot of Buffs fans are really excited about. We got to see a lot of him late in the season, made a couple plays. I'm wondering what you see out of him so far in your time watching the film and also uh, in the meetings. Kind of kind of in the same same aspect. Uh, very smart, very aware. I think um, he... he uh, he went through his he went through his introduction to Pac-12 football last year. Being a young guy, you know, getting beat up on some plays, but it's going to all work out better for him in the long run. Um, like I said, KJ is very smart. He understands the defense well. I just wanted to kind of crack his shell. And like I said, I kind of mentioned um, kind of those guys taking on my personality, and I think he's a guy that once he buys into um, the attitude or the mentality and using the techniques at the right time and place, he's going to benefit big time from it. Um, very good player. He understands his limitations. Um, he's a film junkie, so it'll be easy to teach him, you know, uh, receiver tendencies and quarterback tendencies and offensive coordinator tendencies, all those type of things. He He's the type of guy that can, you know, he comes across right now as a guy that can implement those things at in-time game decision time. So that's what I'm looking forward to uh working with him. Any other questions for coach? All right. Okay, man, you guys are easy. <laughs> I see. Okay. So thanks to meet I'm okay. pronouncing correct. Yeah. 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 You did. Yeah. Coach me for short, man. Make it easy. You don't have to Coach worry me. about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. Thanks, David. I appreciate it. I appreciate you guys, man. Thank Go you, Coach. Yeah, no doubt. I think Coach Maxie on. Yep. Yeah, there you go. That's He's my thinking partner. Back. He's crime, thinking Maxie. a fancy background. I'm crime. That's a great man. Yeah, What's no up? Doubt. Yeah. Hey, Coach Max, these dudes is vultures, man. Be careful, man. <laughs> 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 I know better than that. Yeah, right. <laughs> All right, man. You guys have a good one. Welcome, Brett, to our Zoom show. Uh, these are our bulk of our main beat writers, so you'll see them around. Well, when we can see them around, you'll see them around a lot. Who knows when that will be? So, uh, guys, fire away at Coach. We've got the first question. Uh, Henry Silence. Ch Bueller, Bueller. <laughs> Silence is golden, man. <laughs> uh, Henry Chisholm here from DNVR. Uh, I'm just curious what your first impressions of your group is, and having spent a couple months with them, and I mean watching film but not seeing them on the field. Um, I, the, the first thing that jumps out at me in terms of my first impression is uh, the type of uh, human being that they are. You know, good guys. Uh, uh, very respectful, uh, 
and and love football. They love football, and uh, and in terms of what we do from a schematic standpoint, uh, I can tell that they're very. Um, they're going to be able to pick things up fairly easy uh, in terms of uh, you know helping, especially helping me with the terminology, uh, uh, the scheme, because. Most of these guys have been in, this is probably their second, this is going to be their second year going in, into it. Um, but I would say, you know, first of all, good citizens, uh, well-respected, and uh, very cerebral, because they're going to have to be to play the safety position. <laughs> they're going to have to have some smarts, man, and, and they do. Hey, Coach, Adam Munster-Tiger from 24-7 Sports. Obviously, you coached in the NFL for a long time. What what drew you to want to coach at Vanderbilt six years ago, and what drew you here to to, to Boulder to coach at CU? Well, I'm going to make the long story longer, okay? Well, (laughs) I've always wanted to coach college. So when I was in Dallas with the Cowboys, there was an opportunity that I passed up um, to go to Stanford. And and and, and I'll tell you the, the, the quick story of it. Um, I guess Coach Harbaugh was the uh, was the head coach at the time, and Big Fangio was the defensive coordinator. All right, so Coach Harbaugh now is at uh, the University of Michigan, um, and I had a relationship, kind of off the field relationship with with Coach Harbaugh and his brother John. Um, we didn't know each other intimately, like I know Coach uh, Fangio. Uh, coach Fangio and, and, and Coach Harbaugh, they were looking for a secondary coach. So I was the first call. And and the reason I got the call was because of Big Fangio. He and I um, were with the Saints back in 1986 all the way through 90, the 92 season. And then we linked back up again in 1995, which was the startup of the Carolina Panthers. And he was a first-time coordinator. So so our relationship went way back. And so I got on the phone with Coach Harbaugh, and Coach Harbaugh said, Brett, I'm just be honest with you. This is going to be a, a one-year deal because I'm getting one of those NFL jobs. And and I told him, I said, I cannot take the job because I, can't, I don't want to move my family back out west for one year, especially with my, my second son was – was was in the recruiting process and they had just played in the state championship and I did not want to pull him out of school and take him to another school because I had dragged my family around. By that time, I think we were the fifth NFL team that I had coached for. So I didn't want to do that to my family and I certainly wasn't going to leave my family behind. So... That was the one. That was the one opportunity that I had. That I had to give up to go coach at the college level. And my recommendation was to, hey, I got a guy that I know would do a, a great job for you, Derek Mason. So Derek Mason ended up getting the job. He stayed there as the uh, co-coordinator after that year. And uh, and then when Derek Mason became the head coach at Vanderbilt. Guess what? I was already in Nashville, and uh, we had just got released of our of our coaching duties there in Tennessee with the uh, with the Titans. And Derek Mason, being a one time uh, first time uh, head coach, 
I had an opportunity to be on his first staff. So that was my first opportunity to, to coach at the college level. And that's where I met Coach Durrell because he was the offensive coordinator. And I was coaching high school football down in Bradenton, Florida at IMG Academy when, when Carl called me and this opportunity uh, was available. So this is my second stint and they all had circumstances involving me being a part of the staff. One, I wanted, I've always wanted to coach college. And two, my relationship with those two men gave me that opportunity. Hey coaches, uh, Brian Howard from the Bullet Daily Camera. I'm curious um, how that experience last year in high school football kind of helps prepare you for this year. I think the one thing in particular that prepared me for, you know, for college again, being, being in high school, uh, especially at IMG, we were able to recruit and we recruited the nation. So I had a pretty good idea of the players, uh, especially the, uh, the 21, 22 and 23 uh, you know, prospects because those were the those were the players I was recruiting to come to IMG Academy, and we, I mean, we come we we come out west, you know, to uh, to recruit, and we recruit Texas. So, the two biggest states that we recruited when I was at IMG, we recruit here, along with Arizona. So, going through that process again. Um, especially with with some of the some of the prospects that we're recruiting right now i had an opportunity to actually coach when i was at img uh now they're back at their you know back you know at their high school because uh, one one kid in particular uh, i only had an opportunity to coach him for a spring semester before he had to leave to come back west to be with his family now I'm recruiting him again and we have an opportunity to possibly get it. So uh, being at being at IMG really kind of helped me with the prospects, even coming in as late as I did um, with not having an opportunity to, you know, to recruit uh, a lot of the kids that were already offered to come to Colorado or some of the kids that we were interested in that I had knowledge of. So that that helped me tremendously. Hopefully I answered your question. You did and broach any NCAA uh, violations by talking about recruits, no name. <laughs> <laughs> did, I violate, did, did I violate anything? No, oh, talking okay. generalities. Cool. Oh, okay. <laughs> Uh, Henry Chisholm here from DNVR. Uh, you know, last year there were some injuries to the cornerbacks, and it meant that a lot of the younger guys had a chance to play more. There, there aren't as many safeties on the roster who have had real reps in games on defense. And so I'm wondering when you're going through and looking at the cornerbacks who uh, might switch to safety, Chris Miller, for example, is the one on the depth chart. What traits are you looking for in those cornerbacks who you you would consider switching to safety football players 
<laughs> that's, that's the first trait I'm looking for. Is he a football player? Because really, at the end of the day, uh, a defensive back has to have the versatility, and those are the type of players that we're looking for, players that have the versatility to play uh, at every position in the secondary. And i give you an example. I was that guy, okay? And, and I'll give you a quick story. And, and not a lot of people know this about me. Um, from, from middle school all the way through my first year of college, I was a quarterback, never played defensive back. The only position really that I played on defense, and this was it when I was uh, playing Pop Warner, this was like 10 and under, uh, was linebacker. I played offensive guard. I played left guard for number 62, which was also my birthday date. I mean, the year, my birth year, 62. Um, ironically enough, I ended up with that number. And then, um, and then I played uh, inside linebacker, okay, in, in Pop Warner. And then when I got to middle school, it was quarterback all the way through my second year. So my second year, we had a coaching change and I had the ability, well, I was in the class of three freshman quarterbacks, me being the third one. Well, the other two quarterbacks played in the state, the Texas State Championship. So they were, they were obviously they were going to be ahead of me because of their talent level. Well, we had a coaching change and uh, the coach at the time, Joe Redman, who was from... Uh, central state of Ohio came in and he switched my position during the spring to DB to safety. So from that point on, I became a safety and I ended up having the opportunity to go to New Orleans as an undrafted free agent rookie as a defensive back. But the first place they put me was at corner. All right. I won the, the, the starting nickel position as a rookie. So I played corner all the way through preseason and training camp, won the starting nickel position. So now I'm the starting nickel. And then the last game of the season, I ended up playing safety. So I played every position in the secondary. So um, I kind of, I took that model, when, you know, once I got into coaching, that if you can just find the best player at that position, you know, in our defensive back, he should be able to play multiple positions in the secondary. So it didn't surprise it doesn't surprise me that we're doing what we're doing. You know, if you're light at one position, that's the beauty of it. If you get the best players, you know, like we're going out, we're recruiting the best defensive backs, and we're going to go get those players. So now we can plug them into every spot, and it makes them that much more valuable as, as a player. Because when you go to the next level, the more you can do, the better player you're going to be, and and your and the and the longevity of your career is going to be extended, if that makes sense. Hey, coach. So Henry, hopefully I answered your oh, question. Oh, sorry. Yeah. No, that's sorry okay. to cut you off there. Uh, this is Justin Guerrero with Rivals.com. Good to uh, make your acquaintance. But just with with your background and kind of being a guy who has done it all. Um, who can approach recruits and, and tell them that not only have you played in the league, but you've coached in the league, you've coached collegiately as well as in high school. Do you think that allows you to kind of approach kids on the recruiting trail from a unique 
angle or perspective just with your frankly reputation reputation preceding you absolutely i i think that uh you know that merits a lot of credence to me having the ability to offer uh a prospective athlete you know something outside of the academic because uh, that's the first thing they when they come to college that's the first thing that they are they are a student first then they are an athlete so um and 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 i can and i can do it from both angles because you know my experience of going to college uh getting my degree and uh making sure because my mom she was the reason i went to college because i really my aspiration was to go to the to the air force and be a uh, an air force pilot okay and then and then possibly become an optometrist while i was serving okay well things changed all right so i had an opportunity to go to college as a as a quarterback and get my degree because without that opportunity i never would have you know necessarily gotten my degree or had an opportunity to go to college so the bigger picture is can i help a player um exercise their you know their 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 dream to play in the NFL. Absolutely. And you want you want to recruit players that have that aspiration because if they don't have that aspiration to play at the highest level then you know other than coming to school to get your degree then why are you coming to the University of Colorado if you don't want to be a, if you don't want to extend your career past college and be a great football player because that's what we want. We want great football players. We want students first, but we also want great football players. So yes, I do have that ability and I do approach it that way because of what I've been able to do. Even as a, a player that that played on offense for most of my time from middle school all the way through my first year of college and then having the ability to make the switch once I got there. And I give you one example. Um Darian Rakestraw. I recruited Darian. I I recruited him out of out of high school. He ended up coming to Colorado. I was at Vanderbilt. He ended up coming to Colorado. But he came here as a receiver. So his first 3 years cuz I think he's a 50 year senior. He was a receiver until a couple of years ago or until last year. And he made he made the transition. And that's one of the things that he and I had talked about um him having the aspirations to play at the highest level if if you if 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 you're disciplined enough to to execute the techniques that 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 I think that can help you get to the next level then you have an opportunity along with your the fire that that burns inside of you to want to be an NFL player So um that's one of the things that that I'm able to you know to offer kids when when I'm recruiting them to let them know hey this is my story and if and if you want to play at the highest level I can help you get there if you're if you're willing to do the necessary things uh to become an NFL player Oops 
Any, any other questions for Coach? Neil, did you have one? No, I'm good. Okay, your yellow box came up. And then I've got, oh. the, I've got the last one for you, Coach. When you okay. look at FC South standings, having coached or played for all teams, who do you root for? The NFC, the NFC South? NFC South. NFC South. Who do I root for? Man, I, you, cut me open, you, hey, you, cut, you cut me open, you know, I'm going to bleed black and gold, right? <laughs> you know I'm going to bleed uh, black and gold. And the Saints will always be my team forever. I don't care who's coaching. I don't care who's playing. <laughs> that's that's my team, man. <laughs> well, you're at the right school, the same colors. Oh, tr- trust me. I, I, I already know. I already know. Actually, I'm, you know, I'm, re- I'm, re- uh, I'm recruiting a kid from from Louisiana, from the state of Louisiana, and the mom is a huge Saints fan. And I just told her, I said, you just look, because I had uh, I had a different background. I had the jerseys in the background, and it had the black and gold jersey. I said, he, you know, your son really needs to be here because I know you're a Saints fan, because he had already told me. I said, I know you're a big Saints fan. And I know you you uh, bleed black and gold, so you might as well just go ahead and let him go ahead and sign his letter of intent so he can come to the University of Colorado. Great. Thanks for joining us today. Pleasure was all mine. Henry, Adam, Brian, I think it was Brian and Justin. And you are what, Dave? Yeah. And Curtis, okay. where are your SIDs? Oh, okay. You've been getting well, emails please. from me. So that's who I'm getting the emails from. Yep. Well, pleasure is mine. Okay. Thanks, Coach Chris Wilson. I see you're ducked on. Join us in video. Want to unmute everything? How's everybody doing today? Good. Great. Awesome. You got the night background. So. Uh, yeah, I do. <laughs> it's kind of the only thing that I could uh, take a photo of and download. I'm, the technology is getting ahead of me every once in a while. Well, the players have changed since you were last year as far as the media goes. Neil Welk was here, but uh, beyond that, uh, everyone else on is due to you. So, well, as far as the first question, and Coach Wilson. Hey, Coach hey, Adam. Doing? Good, doing well. Thanks for, for joining us. Adam Mustager from 24-7 Sports. Uh, speaking of you being at CU before, when you left to join OU staff in, in 2005, did you ever envision a scenario in which you'd return to CU? And, and what are the biggest changes you've noticed since returning to the staff? Well, I, I, I will say this, you know, this is a special place for me and my family. Uh, you know, my kid, my son wanted to go to school here. Uh, my daughter loves it here. And so, uh, you know, you, you, you never really think that you'll, you'll get a second chance in your career, but this has always been a fun place in, uh, in our family and, um, and in my career, to be quite honest. This place kind of launched my career. Uh, but the biggest change you've noticed is uh, the facilities. Uh, the commitment that the university has put behind this place. I mean, I, being in the National Football League the last few years, I've had a chance to go around and see a lot of different places, working guys out and things of that nature. And uh, this facility is as good as any place in the country. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited about the opportunity that we have here. You know, we just got to do a, do like everybody else. Got to go work our butt off and go put a few W's on the, uh, on the scoreboard. Hey, Coach, this is Justin Guerrero with Rivals.com. Uh, good to meet you, and thanks for taking the time. Um, I wanted to ask you um, about your uh, 
your grad assistant, uh, Coach Aziz Shitu, and really just an interesting guy to kind of follow on Twitter. And I mean, obviously fresh out of the league, um, you guys yeah. go back to, to the Eagles. He seems to be taking a pretty hands-on approach uh, in the recruiting department, but just kind of just wanted to ask you what you could uh, tell us about him and, and what he's uh, bringing to the table. But first thing, you know, he's obviously a, a guy who uh, comes from a great background, uh, Stanford grad, uh, knows the Pac-12 well. Uh, he came in to as a rookie uh, with a chip on his shoulder, undrafted free agent. Um, we kind of talked about what our what our plan was for him and why we wanted him. And uh, he was a guy that could uh, help us as a pass rush specialist, we thought. And uh, he did that. He came in and did everything we asked. And uh, now, you know, you fast forward four years later, he wants to extend his career. And uh, two things I think that are really important. A, he's a, he's a really good communicator. Um and he's a hard worker. I mean, so uh, you, you can always find places for guys like that. But I'm excited to have him. Hey, Chris, this is Neil Welk from CUBuffs.com. Uh, when you're looking at uh, film from the guys you've got coming back and, and you know, what you've got up front, uh, is there a good foundation there for you to work with from the get-go, do you believe? Yeah, I, I believe so. When I first uh, got on campus, um, you know, you, you kind of take a gauge. You, you know, the first thing I did when I was, when I was a, a, co- a coach in college as well as the NFL, I go and eyeball the other team, see what they look like, and you know, you know who should be getting <laughs> off the bus first. And <laughs> and uh, we've got some, we've got some good athletes. We've got some good size, the guys, man, uh, guys who has some uh, experience, guys with some versatility, and that's what's really important in this day and age. You know, guys who can play three downs. So, you know, the biggest thing is, you know, you you know, obviously uh, hindsight's twenty twenty. You wish you would have had the spring to really get a chance to work with them. But uh, from from uh, from the eyeball test, they passed the test. You know, Mustafa John. Uh, I'm Henry Chisholm, by the way, from DNVR. Hey, Henry, how are you? Oh, not bad. Uh, but Mustafa is kind of the leader of the group, a guy who I know some NFL teams are really looking at for the draft next year. And I'm just curious, as as somebody who's coming here from the NFL, what would you say about his prospects? What do you want? To, where do you want to see him improve in that in his game? I guess. Well, you know, the the, the biggest thing that that you want is high football IQ. Uh, can this guy learn? Um, can he play multiple positions? Uh, the thing you always have to, to focus on, especially at the next level, is size, length. Those things are all traits that you have to have. And when you aren't, say, 6'4", six, 6'5", six, at a position, you have to have other dominant traits. Um, he's got some traits that I think that'll that'll bode well for some of the things that we're going to do this year, and compared to the last year, uh, which I think that will act, you know will accentuate the things that he does really really well. And that's my goal as a teacher is to make sure I'm doing what they do really really well. Uh, nobody comes to watch you coach, so you know you got to make sure that you you put your guys in the best position, and then you make sure you you maximize their skill set. That's what it comes down to. And uh, I, I feel good about the guys we have. Obviously, we've got a lot of work to do, uh, but I'm, I'm optimistic, very optimistic about Mustafa, as well as quite a few guys there. Hey, Coach, this is Brian Howell from the Bowler Daily Camera. Um, I'm well, curious, over the last couple of years, you know, you've been in the NFL. Uh, have you missed the college game? And if so, what have you missed about college football? I think the thing you missed the, the, the most is the, is the developmental piece. 
you know, um, I had a chance to, after I left here, coach some really cool guys, but I don't, they, they don't pay you to coach Fletcher Cox. Fletcher Cox was born to Fletcher Cox. <laughs> so, you know, my bills, as Coach Swisher used to tell our coaches, was not, well, not to screw them up. So, you know, they've got some innate qualities and we just got to hone those. And, and the biggest thing you see now is, you know, guys really don't know who they are right now. They're growing, they're developing into those guys. You know, some guys are getting an inch taller, uh, 10 pounds bigger, you know, a tenth of a second faster. So that's what's exciting, that you get a chance to kind of start these guys from the beginning to the end. And so we, we, we've got a good group. And, and I think the biggest thing for us is to develop the bottom part of that roster. If, I've done, if we've done that, you know, obviously we're playing well and uh, we're gaining some depth. And I, that's the most important thing that I, I'm excited about is the developmental piece of it. Uh, coming back to coaching college after spending a few years in the NFL um, and working with some of the biggest names um, among NFL defensive linemen, do you th- how does that change you as a coach, as a college coach, having that experience in your pocket? Well, you know, I got a, uh, I got a PhD in football. That's all I did for the last four years, and, you know, was to, to uh, develop, uh, to watch video, uh, to 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 look at profiles, and so it really gives you a wealth of information. Uh, two, your communication piece. You've got to be a great communicator. These guys in, in the National Football League have heard a lot of great voices, and they really care about two things. A, are you competent? Can you help them extend their career? And B, can you treat them well? And so that, that bodes well no matter where you go, just being professional. A, can you, can you help these guys extend their careers? And, uh, and B, can you be a great communicator? Can you get them the information they, that they need accurately? And so that's the biggest piece that I've learned over, over these last four years. Hey, Coach, uh, Matt McChesney obviously was one of your players, and um, I know he's yes, very he excited about having you uh, back here and uh, you know, still views you as a mentor. Um, Coach Durrell has also talked about uh, wanting good teachers. Um, Matt views you as a pretty good teacher. Can you tell us kind of about your teaching style and what you enjoy about teaching football? Well, the biggest thing I look at, at, at being a teacher is, you know, you know, if, you, if we went into a local restaurant and said who could coach, everybody would raise their hand. You know, it'd be me, 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 me. But if you ask who could teach, the room wouldn't probably be as active because you've got to be able to get information over. And so I, I what I really believe at the end of the day is that Great teachers are like custom tailors. You know, each one of you men have a different inseam. You wear a different size. And you can't take the cookie-cutter approach, you know, because this is in the NFL. You can cut your mistakes in the NFL. In, in, in college, you've got to develop those guys. And you've got to find out what their traits are and what they do well. And then you've got to do the best job you can of putting those guys in position. And and, and that's where I think the, the biggest thing that being a great teacher is it's, it's not just a blanket-type mentality. Well, everybody's the same without you want to see their personalities you want to see their traits and i think that's what makes a a really good team a really unique football team when you can get everybody playing at their highest level just as a follow-up to that um as someone that coached matt uh, does it give you some pride to see him now coaching guys and being a teacher in his own right it does. It, I mean, that's to me. That's what this deal is all about. You know. You know. When you look at the numbers statistically, not you know, not many of these guys are going to go on to the National Football League, regardless of where they play at. 
Uh, but you, you know, being a champion in life is huge. And uh, that's what I kind of always, when I look at all my guys, I want them to be a champion in life. And Matt's doing that. And uh, quite a few guys is John Guyton, who coached here, Lawrence Vickers. I could go on and on about the great group of guys that have came here to Colorado and are productive, good citizens, you know, in their community. So, you know, that's through their, their husbands, their fathers, you know, they're all those things. And so I'm proud of all those guys. Anything else for Coach? A bit of this one. How did Gary Barnett bring you here the first time, and then who brought you here back? Uh, well, Gary was interesting. Uh, I was at West Point, and uh, I'd had a chance to uh, meet a few guys on the staff, you know, at various engagements that coaches go through. And uh, I'll never forget, um, I just got to West Point and, and, and a young, young young wife and young children. My wife was actually about to have our second child. And um, Gary offered me an interview, but didn't guarantee me a job. So... Uh, uh, I talked to Vince crew and uh, it's funny when you go back, you know, Vance Joseph picks me up at the airport and we're best friends now. And, um, he, and, and I'll never forget the head coach at that time. I won't use his name said, Hey, if you get on that plane, you better get the job. <laughs> so <laughs> my, my wife delivers, to, uh, Kobe, our daughter. Um, and I'll never forget her statement. She goes, I says, well, what should I do? Should I get on the plane? She says, go get the job. And I, I jumped on a plane and uh, the rest is kind of history, as they say. But, uh, you know, those are the times. And, you know, those are the things when you really have to bet on yourself. And so I wound up getting a job. And uh, like I said, this place has been amazing from the friendships, the relationships, uh, the wins. It, 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 launched, it launched my career. So who brought you back? <laughs> oh, obviously, Carl Durrell. And, you know, it's, it's funny when you look at the, the history of this deal. And I had multiple conversations with a few coaches that were interested in this job. And uh, there were a lot of good coaches, a lot of qualified coaches who were interested in it. And uh, when it, when Coach Durrell had a you know, chance, I had known Carl, had never had a chance to work with him. But we knew each other just, you know, through the being in this, this industry. Um, and when he gave me the call, I was excited. I was really excited to come back and, and work with people you 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 knew that had similar mindsets and uh, I just I, I I just believe uh, that the future is going to be bright here and bright for a long time. Anyone else have anything for Chris? Great. Thanks, guys. We'll wrap it up. Thanks for joining us. Yes, sir. You guys have a great one. Thanks, Coach. Appreciate it. Yes, sir. Guys, what we'll be doing from here on out, we're going to do uh, these each week with uh, two featured players. Uh, a lot of them really don't want to do a whole lot of stuff till they kind of get back up and running. So we're going to designate two named players each week, to try to at least get you guys some players and kind of proceed that way for the immediate future until we know a little bit more. So uh, we're going to try to keep those a little more intimate and not invite 75 media on there. Try to just make it visual for our beat people around uh, the Denver metro area, which is the TVs jump on would max out at about 10. So that's our immediate plan for now. Any questions for any of us? Dave, just, um, just on that note, uh, looking down the barrel with like uh, doing these kind of meetings with players, like is that something you could foresee just in every Tuesday of the week, kind of um, consistent day, consistent time, or do you think it'll, it'll be a uh, subject to fluctuation? You mean during the season? Um, I guess just for the foreseeable future for the next, uh, like, I guess. Oh, I, think, camp. I think that would be leading into camp. You know, the plan for the season right now is if everything is Zoom, we would still do 
Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, player interviews, Tuesday press conference. Um, other stuff has requested if we can, figuring you know, we got to lay so much out. The NFL actually just sent out their questionnaire to their PR people in the last couple of days to get their feelings on how, uh, what they're planning on as far as number of press box seats, who can be on the field, how they want to conduct interviews. So I think a lot of stuff's going to come together here in the next month. And Colleges are going to take a lead in seeing what the NFL is doing. But like I said, our goal will be if we have to limit in-person access, our challenges with ideas is how can we get you the ultimate access without you actually being somewhere in person. So that's our goal here. Sure. Okay. Like to provide access with our athletes and our coaches as to some other places, which is why we keep winning that Super 11 award is because it's not just what we do in the press box game days it's the access we provide during the week appreciate it in advance mm -hmm. sure you know 10 days people missed it yesterday it was 10 10 years ago we uh, uh joined the pac-10 the post was doing some takeout on it but i haven't seen it yet so 40 years ago today we sliced seven sports <laughs> tomorrow i have no anniversaries so. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, let's have any questions. Cut you loose. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Oh, thanks, Chris. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, thanks. Good to see you. I think they like my Colorado swag. Cause when I'm in it, play. I don't really, I don't really know just how to act. And when I'm in it, go. You know I'm acting bad. Hey! 
Colorado swag, man, I swear I think they like my Colorado swag. 